BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kids of all ages. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the only show on the internet where we, that being me, Dan Selke, and he, Daniel Roman, bring you all things sci-fi, fantasy, TV, movies, pop culture, beaming right from our living rooms to your brains. Um, we're glad to have you here at the first sort of official uh, non-specialty show of 2024. Last week, we did a ranking of all the big sci-fi fantasy shows coming up in this year and rank them by hype but this year we're going to bring you some information on uh news you can't use but you can annoy your family members with at gatherings uh and i'm glad to see all of you are here hey martha hey nicole hey robert hey andrew good to see you all welcome to the to the show welcome to the new year welcome to the thunderdome daniel what are we talking about today uh, man, we have a lot. It feels like a lot to talk about. Uh, things have just piled up. Um, we've got to talk about, you know, some House of the Dragon, just a, some nice little accolades there. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff about The Last of Us we have to talk about. And then also those guys, David Benioff and Dan Weiss, gave an interview that touched on some stuff about their new show, Three Body Problems. So we're going to talk about all that stuff. Cool. What's first? So up first, let's get into Emmy stuff. So the the Creative Arts Emmys happened over the weekend, um, and yeah. House of the Dragon netted its first ever Emmy for Outstanding Fantasy and Sci-Fi Costumes. Um, Dan, what do you think? Well, well-deserved Emmy? Were there any snubs I mean, you were especially incensed by? Um uh it 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 was it was shut out except for this one category house of the dragon isn't yes. faring particularly well at the award circuit the golden globes happened this week too and it wasn't even really nominated in many things like none of the actors are nominated at the emmys or Crazy. the golden globes i believe which i think is wrong so yeah. i'm glad i got fancy costumes good for it it'll just have to show everybody in season two that it's uh got what it takes to go the distance and get nominations for you know not just the very worthy and uh, important technical awards like cinematography, which it lost, and uh, makeup, which it lost, and editing, which it lost, mm. but also awards um, that people care about that involve uh, hot people wow, in, front of, in front of the camera, uh, like acting, supporting huh. acting, directing, writing. So I like the primetime stuff, not the technical creative arts semis, which are held in 
um, a broom closet in uh, off the side of the amphitheater. I'm kidding. It was shade. (laughs) Well, they ghettoize this thing like they call it something else. They don't televise it like the real Emmys, the real Emmys. Um, They've kind of made this culture where they're deemed less important, even though um, it's still the same little lady holding the globe you get to put on your mantle when you go home. Uh, yeah. But I understand we can't have a televised ceremony for that lasts six hours. We're already too annoyed at three. So some of them have to be uh, yes. kind of shunted off. But it is too bad that the professionals who get those uh, awards aren't really seen as as worthy of prestige as, say, the best director or the best drama or the best actor or whatever. Yeah, you know, it is interesting hearing you say like they've kind of created this culture of making it feel like the creative, you know, the the production side of the Emmys is off in a broom closet somewhere. Uh, and th- that is a shame, obviously, because none of these shows or movies, or I guess it's shows or, or made for TV movies. None of them mm-hmm. would exist you know, without all of these various departments. So that that is a shame. But at the same time, like you said, six hours is probably longer than anyone uh, in or out of the room is willing to sit for for this thing. Uh, but yeah, so there was a bunch of notable stuff at the Emmys. Obviously, House of the Dragon is the one we care about most. I always wonder if there's a little bit of like recency bias when it comes to like the acting on a show, you know, because house of the dragon that that came out in summer of 2022. That's like a year and a half before this Emmys. Um, So there's always kind of this feeling of what it have gotten recognized a little bit more. If it came out a little bit more recently, Um, but at the same time, there was, Yeah. Yes, but there was some stiff competition at this one too. Succession obviously swept justifiably as it should have. Um, another show that got recognized quite a bit that we should talk about is The Last of Us. So The Last of Us took home eight Emmys at, at this thing, um, which is pretty good for its you know inaugural season, a video oh, game yeah. adaptation, and. And those included outstanding special visual effects, outstanding main title design, which, yes, those titles were great. Um, Outstanding sound editing, uh, outstanding prosthetic makeup, and outstanding picture editing. Um, Nick Offerman also took one home. His first uh, for outstanding guest actor. He played the survivalist Bill. Um, Yeah, he said some fun stuff there. Uh, Did you catch any of his quotes, Dan? Uh, just that he pitched a spinoff with about him and his uh, gay lover, Frank, which may, probably won't happen. I can't see HBO getting too spinoff happy. I know House of the Dragon was a success, but I don't know. Between that and Penguin Night of Seven Kingdoms, maybe HBO is turning into a spinoff factory. Maybe. I mean, the nice thing with The Last of Us is they've got, you know, they've got Neil Druckmann in the room. Uh, that's the creator of the games. He's one of the the showrunners. So I feel like there's no reality where he's just going to be cashing in not to make, you know, quick grab. They're not going to go the way of the Walking Dead. Sorry, Walking Dead fans, <laughs> where they just have spinoffs for every which character because they just want to keep working with the actors. I feel like if they do one, it'll be because there's a real good reason to do the one. 
But yeah, I, Offerman was pretty funny. He had a pretty funny quote that I I'm should have written down here, but I didn't. But it was basically like he got lucky with this show. Uh, they needed someone in Hollywood who could use a shovel. There are three of us. Harrison Ford uh, wasn't interested and Jane Lynch was busy. <laughs> um, so he got the gig. But yeah, so so good news for The Last of Us. Um, but they are not resting on their on their laurels. Uh, they announced some exciting stuff. Uh, what are some of the things they've announced, Dan? Because I'm just rambling without end. No, I think um, it's it's really pleasant to listen to your tones. But yeah, The Last of Us is ramping up. Uh, they filmed the second season of this prestige zombie drama, which, by the way, I predict if they keep going, it's now a battle between The Last of Us and House of the Dragon to replace Succession as the new show that gets rained awards down upon when mm-hmm. every season comes about. I think that'll be kind of fun to see who the voters choose, or I guess because it's happening today when shows are staggered by the year, they could both have it. They could just switch House of Dragon and other awards and then uh, The Last of Us can because HBO loves sewing up that title back to The Sopranos. It's it's, it's done that. So uh, I predict some more dominance in the future, but which is what went out. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, they're filming season two, I believe next month, February, and the first season, fun, exciting, good expression of the video game. Uh, Pedro Pascal, everybody's um, favorite uh, uncle, daddy, older best friend (laughs) out, out there on the screen. As Joel, Bella Ramsey, uh, Le- Le- Liana Mormont as Ellie, cross-country adventure, fight some zombies, find inner peace. And we're going to take right. it all away from them in season two. And they're finally telling us who's going <laughs> to play some important characters. Uh, we got yeah. the announcement that Caitlin Dever, whose work I don't really know, maybe you do, is going to play the role of Abby. Great side-by-side here. Love that. Um, who yes. again? Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Richard. Producer Richard. We're not going to spoil it. Hugely important character for the last for season two. Um, I'll go ahead and call her a eh, antagonist-ish uh, role. 
I guess my questions yeah. for you are how excited are you and how much do you care about whether she gets uh 80 caliber guns as she has in the game <laughs> well i i you know i'd settle for 65 caliber guns or whatever uh she doesn't you know abby is a video game character she has a kind of a famously very very hmm. ripped physique which is why why dan is asking this um but that that very ripped physique is a part of like her story there there's a sure. reason it's not just hey here's abby this jacked person um she is not we see her when she is very ripped and when she's not very ripped over the course of the game um so i am hopeful uh you know i she's got to be at least somewhat muscular to a little to have the same uh presence I think as Abby had in the game, but at the same time, this is going to be a new take on the character. Um, obviously we could see from that side by side, like Caitlin Dever, yeah. like, or Dever. I'm not Literally. quite sure how to pronounce your name. I'm sorry if you happen to be listening, um, you know you but are. she it looks a little bit younger than Abby, whether she is or not. Abby kind of yeah. looks older than her years a little bit in the game. So I'm really excited to see her take on the character. Um, I personally, I'm in the, I will stand Abby. I, I really like Abby. I think she's a fascinating character. And yeah, it is, you know, it it's kind of the whole point of The Last of Us Part Two that you have a hard time knowing whether to say she's, you know, she's an antagonistic type character. Um, she's an, a very important character on the same mm -hmm. level, I would say, as Joel or Ellie from oh, yeah, this totally. point forward for for the story um so yeah that's some huge news and we've been hearing kind of rumbling that this was potentially the case for a while uh so mm -hmm. yeah dan how are you feeling i saw your hand do you know her work caitlin dever or does anyone out there know caitlin dever's work because i really don't i hear she's um, great but I, I don't I, have like things to draw from uh, yeah so i am not personally too familiar uh i know she was in justified uh a movie i think called untouchables a, a bunch of other stuff that i haven't seen that's not really genre work but cool. but there's one thing that i do know her from and that is uncharted for a thief's end oh. um, so she has actually worked with naughty dog before this so Neil Druckmann like knows her. He he kind of shared this nice like welcome, so excited to work with you again message when her casting was announced because um, she played Nathan Drake's daughter Cassie in the fourth Uncharted game. Um, oh, so yeah, that was obviously that was quite a while ago at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, she was a, quite a bit younger than she is now, but yeah, so it's kind of cool to see her coming back to you know another naughty dog production in a very different medium playing a much more complicated role um because abby is about as complicated as parts get in this series so that's yeah true. it's gonna be good stuff what to work with i don't know so that's cool so, so 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 they're keeping sort of some video game dna in the transition yes. from game to tv show that's neat um again as like the the premiere example of prestige video game adaptation everything they do is i feel important to how video game adaptations in general will be treated going forward so moves like that just like taking a voice actor in a video game and turning putting them into like a, a huge role in a prestige series are important um 
not just because she's a good actress, which I assume she is. Uh, Richard yeah. loved her and No One Will Save You. But important because it could lend nice. some respectability to video game actors, which is important because they're going to start losing their jobs to robots. Yeah, well, hopefully not the case. I There was just something about this with, with SAG after signing an agreement for, for AI with video game studios uh i'm i haven't looked into the details but i know a lot of video game voice actors are not very happy today um but yeah so i agree with you though that it is nice to see actors from video games make that leap and i think caitlin dever i don't i would hesitate to really say she was a, a like a video game actor more so like kind of doing both like i think she's done at sure. least as much if not more film work than video game work but like even that aside, you're totally right. And I think The Last of Us has done a, a really admirable job of keeping some of that DNA. You know, they had the person who That's played cool. Tommy in the games was a different role in the show. They had Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson show up. Um, right. The actress who played Marlene was the same as in the game. So those kinds of things, it's like if they had a good actor, you know, video games have gotten to the point where like when they hire some of these actors, like anytime someone's like yes like laura bailey voiced abby i'm always like well she mm -hmm. she portrayed abby because she did like full motion capture sure. for the part so you know that is very different than video game acting where it's like you just go in the booth like they're right. they're doing a whole range of actual performances um so yeah that's and actual physical performances i should say not totally the voice yeah, acting. I, I, it's not I gotcha. kind of performance but yeah so uh Good stuff. But it was not the only Last of Us news. There was another one that just broke today, right? Yeah. Uh, young Mazzino, who was in Beef with um, Stephen Nguyen and Ali Wong, plays Jesse, who I remember. Jesse. Oh, hell. Is that how you spell his name? I thought it was without the I. I'm about to go back and correct an article. Um, one of uh, Ellie's friends, which is yes. cool because I hear he's great. Yep, Jesse, another pretty important part, another character we're going to see quite a lot of. Uh, this is some, some great casting, just looking at <laughs> the side-by-side -side of the actor and the and the character. Um, and I did like him in Beef, so another one where I'm like, I'm excited to see what, what he's going to do with the part. But yeah, so that's all of the major Last of Us stuff. So not too, too much, but what we did get was really important. Um, like Dan said, they are due to start filming in February, which is next month. So be prepared for all of the behind the scenes photos that I'm That's sure fun. are going to come out. It It is going to be fun. Last year was, you know, House of the Dragon leaks from the set. Maybe this year can be the year of The mm -hmm. Last of Us set photos. Um, what are we going to talk about next, Dan? Okay. So speaking of big shows coming up, this is, yeah. uh, we're a couple months out. From the debut of Three Body Problem, which someone said in the chat, uh, Zach, that he wants to change the rankings from last week because the trailer for Three Body Problem looked really, really good. Uh, it dropped yeah. yesterday. This show is a Netflix show, going to come out in March, sci-fi show. And the one of the big important reasons we're paying attention to it is because it is being show ran, which I don't think is a real verb, but you know what I mean. Uh, the the showrunners are David Benioff and Dan Weiss, the guys behind Game of Thrones. And Alexander Wu is a third showrunner they're going to have on there. Uh, this show being based on a series of books by a Chinese author, has a lot of 
Chinese settings. So they're going to bring, they, they want to bring him into, I think, add some verisimilitude and have his expertise. Uh, I don't know what I'm more excited for to watch the show because I've read the first book. It is okay. challenging, cool, interesting sci-fi, hard sci-fi material, or to see how the internet reacts to Benioff and Weiss, accursed Game of Thrones showrunners who were reviled after the end of the show, being back in the conversation and having a big new thing to talk about. Literally, like yesterday, a tweet went through my feed that called them. I mean, I don't I, I don't want to. I never know if we can <laughs> curse on this. Some bad uh, words. Call them some horrible things. And I'm like, so that's still happening yeah. four years later. And I, I'm just curious to see, like, if this is if this is great, do they get rehabilitated in the eyes of the uh, Internet public? Uh, do <laughs> the haters kind of dig their heels in and not do anything? Will it matter at all? I mean, because a hit show is a hit show and Internet discourse is different from like real life success. And will the show be good? There are a lot of questions here. I'm excited for it for uh, both reasons about me liking the books and more metatextual reasons about Benioff and Weiss being back in the game, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that's something uh, John Bradley said in in this yeah. very lengthy piece that was published by uh, The Hollywood Reporter that interviewed Benioff and Weiss and a bunch of other people connected to the production. Uh, John Bradley, who played Samuel Tarley and is in this new mm -hmm. show, said he hopes this is kind of, uh, you know, like a redemption for Benioff and Weiss or a way that right. people can realize how they, they've always been this great. Um, and yeah, I I am nervous about that just because of the mob mentality nature of the Internet. I like mean, I, I don't think that's saying anything. Yeah, I, I mean. I personal feelings aside, I think we've seen a few examples where people kind of have their minds made up beforehand. So sure. I'm kind of I'd be surprised if the narratives around Benioff and Weiss changed very much, regardless of how good the show is, because that's just kind of, you know, we saw that with a, a recent example that comes to mind is the witcher season three like the narrative was already there people were already ready to be mad it could didn't matter whatsoever how good or not good the season was um so i'm a little nervous about that for this show but i'm excited to see it like i benioff and weiss doing new challenging material the three body problem is a, a really really influential science fiction mm -hmm. book I have not read it. So, Dan, you have to fill us in on stuff when we watch the trailer in a sec. Um, but, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, they also talked a little bit about um, House of the Dragon, which, okay. you know, that's that new Game of Thrones prequel show that we've all been obsessing about. Uh, they have not seen it. Um and basically they revealed why they didn't take a producer credit on house of the dragon because so the thing you you may not know viewers at home um apparently it's somewhat standard when you make a series for a network that when they do spin-offs you can be contractually like guaranteed essentially just payouts 
because spinoffs were made based mm-hmm. on a show you had made. Um, Benioff and Weiss had that opportunity with House of the Dragon to basically just get free money from, mm-hmm. from the show. And they turned it down. <laughs> they, they said no um, and explained a little bit about why. Uh, Benioff said HBO was kind of confused. I remember their lawyer saying, but it's just money. We're just <laughs> going to pay you. And uh, and Weiss added, I don't think there is such a thing as free money for us if our name is on it, especially that while being completely detached and uninvolved, it felt like the strain that would come with that hands off approach with its success or failure or anything in between was not worth it. What do you think about this, Dan? Was this a wise choice on their part? Dignity move. I like it. It's great. Dignity. Um, I mean, they're not involved. They're, they're not writing. They're not directing. They're not show running. They're not producing. I mean, it, it would have been free money, but it would have been free money for nothing. I think it's cool that they said, no, thank you. you we, we're we not going to contribute to it at all. So why should we get paid? I think it's good. And they're right. Like, yeah. if if it was a giant failure, which is not, but if it was, they would have been associated with it and they could be blamed. If it was a huge success, even then. They were saying something about like the reaction to season eight, which they're completely right about, by the way, that, that? I think it was Weiss who was talking about how praise can sort of mess with your head as much as criticism can. Cause, yep. and I'm, I'm paraphrasing now it's either way, it's people kind of projecting their emotions onto you. And even though one makes it feel, one makes it feel good, bad, it's all sort of, half truth at best so they dealt with the hip just on they've always been kind of quiet they didn't get a lot of interviews so they just kind of aren't on social media they just didn't see the hate they know it's out there of course but um they weren't affected by it because like they're not going to go they're not going to google themselves to see how many people are calling them idiots like it's just not a healthy thing to do and i think that's cool i think that's neat that they said um no we're not involved so there's no need to pay us that's fine uh good on them yeah they really do seem you know what i like about them is that they like take nothing but big swings uh game of thrones was a huge swing like no one had ever adapted a series that long complex and big in tv format before and it was you only get a game of thrones size success with a game of thrones size swing it's something that new yeah and it ended up really working in a big way the free body problem again i've read the first book i haven't read the second two yet um also very hard material i don't know if it's gonna land it's like it's really cerebral it's got a lot of like uh scientific concepts that they said they're gonna have to explain visually because they don't have like pages of dialogue to give a quick physics lesson um i'm not sure it's gonna work but i really admire the chutzpah to try it uh and they do that well they do not do anything um like mild they don't go for first base hits like they go for a home run or a spectacular whiff and yeah i think that's cool and i think they're cool and i'm looking forward to seeing their work <laughs> yeah i that's the thing i like about them as well and they did talk a little bit about the the why of this um in that hollywood reporter piece which if you haven't you should and you're interested in this stuff it's absolutely worth a read um basically what they said was you know some creators 
can be working on 10 different projects at once and they Ryan make really Murphy, great Shonda stuff. Rhimes. And that's, yep. That's just the way they work. Uh, Taylor Sheridan, probably another one. <laughs> yeah. Um, they said, we just don't work like that. That's just not the way we work best. How we work best is really picking one thing and hard focusing on it. We like to be on set every day, which not all showrunners or, or you know, when people are working on multiple projects, that becomes not a reality. You can't be on mm-hmm. set for every project every day. Um, but that's how they like to work. They, they want to be on set. And uh, they recalled seeing this material for the first time because they hadn't heard of the three body problem until Netflix's head of scripted series, Peter Friedlander basically approached them and said, Hey, I've been trying to get this thing made for years. Would you read these books and and give it a shot? And basically they read the books while they were on a promo tour for game of Thrones season eight. And uh, this quote from, I think it's Benioff. He said, it was the first thing we'd come across since Thrones where we were actually scared. We knew this is going to be hard, but that was what excited them about it. So, yeah. yeah. I People forget that Thrones was their first show. Uh, so I'm excited to see what, what these, you know, now experienced television people, Benioff and Weiss, can do with another series. Um, I am too. Bring it on. Yeah. Uh, one last thing to hit, and then I guess uh, we should probably watch this trailer for the three-body problem. But the the last thing I wanted to mention, uh, they talked about their Star Wars movie uh, that they were trying to get made, um, which was the first Jedi, essentially like how the first person became a Jedi, where the first lightsaber came from, stuff like that. Uh, and they basically said uh, Lucasfilm ended up not wanting to do a first Jedi story. Uh, we had a very specific story idea in mind, and ultimately they decided they didn't want to do that. And we totally get it. So their company yeah. and their IP, but we weren't the droids they were looking for. Um, uh-huh. So that's that's that that lays that to rest. Um, well, sounds like yeah. they've watched Star Wars before. Sounds like that could be the case. Uh, but anything else you want to hit on from from that piece before we dive into this trailer here, Dan? No, uh, this thing comes out in March. I'm excited for it. Let's see what it's all about. Roll the clip. Yes. Okay, so what do we... You're going to have to tell us when to pause here, because I don't know okay, anything about this. I mean, it's a hard blood thing to analyze. Blood numbers on the wall. Okay, um, okay, uh, pause on the little weird numbers in front of uh, the screen. Yeah. I will say what's that one thing about? about the show, well, I don't know why I said that. It's 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 a mystery <laughs> show. So you know what? You get to find out for yourself. Um it's creepy and it's weird. Okay. One thing I'll say is that uh go forward a tick to the lady sitting in her seat. It looks like they are going to change that's the one. They're gonna change some of the cast. So it sounds like they're gonna change a fair amount, like the book mm-hmm. is pretty much all Chinese characters in China uh, doing sciencey things, and then it's and then there's also an alien extraterrestrial uh, element. They're going to go more international, as they said with the cast. Yes, which could be dicey if they're accused of appropriation, or it could be. Um, a good thing if it makes show more accessible. It's in English, which apparently the rights holders wanted 
because there already is a Chinese yes. adaptation of it. It's like word for word exact and didn't do very well. It's a, it's just, it's a, it's going to be a, an, and again, the book is so much of it is about kind of explaining the science. It's not the most character driven story. So they're going to have to flesh things out a yeah. bit. They'll have to change what they did with Game of Thrones. Uh, I'm curious. Keep on rolling. Yeah. Basically, yeah, it's about. Was... Go ahead. I was just going to say they mentioned that in, in the interview, uh, just this idea that they were going to try to make it more international, but also that that, like you said, dicey line of not appropriating, but they were they were tasked with making an English adaptation of this because mm -hmm. the Chinese rights were, were held up elsewhere. Um, but one thing they said that I thought was really interesting was, uh, you know, they wonder sometimes when people say, we wish it was exactly like the book, if they got that, if they would really actually enjoy that in a television show, because they're different mediums. And here's an instance where people can compare because there was a, a very we faithful, apparently, Chinese adaptation of this so yeah, yeah that'll rolling. be interesting yeah it will be it'll it'll be interesting man it's gonna be it's gonna be a strange watch uh roll on please producer Richard the setup is that scientists are a seeing weird numbers I wonder why and uh b <laughs> many are dying mysteriously why what do you still see the numbers perhaps Shh. I'm sure it'll be an early thing that's not too much of a thing um I like the imagery. You will notice Benedict Wong is in some of these shots. Yep. No. Oh, oh, pause on him. Uh, that guy is Liam Cunningham, who played Davos Seaworth. They brought over a few Game of Thrones yep. alum. They brought over Liam Cunningham, played Davos. They brought over John Bradley, who played Samuel Tarley. They brought over Jonathan Price, who's like an Oscar winning actor like decades before. He's not, he's not like a Game of Thrones person, but he played the High Sparrow. Yeah. They're all in this. So, you know, Game of Thrones was chock full of acting talent why not use some that's fun that'll be fun to see him in like a very different role and they're not playing the same kind of yeah he, this guy is a jerk he's that i think sam's a jerk i don't know who jonathan price is playing <laughs> oh he's a jerk so i believe liam cunningham is playing like the head of a british spy agency uh and i i'm pretty sure jonathan price is playing a cult leader so uh cult high leader. sparrow yeah. That's that's what the Hollywood Reporter <laughs> piece said. Uh, so right, that'll right. be interesting. And yeah, John Bradley, apparently a little bit of a jerk in this show. Uh, he said Benioff and Weiss told him they were writing a character just like him. And he said, that's always a little weird. Like, what do you think I'm like that you think this <laughs> character's like me? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, John Bradley in this show. Also, John Bradley, uh, from what I could tell, his his character name I forget, but I do not believe that character is in the book at all. So I think they're inventing him. It's like there's yeah. like one scientist protagonist we follow, and the piece said there's going to be like five Oxford alums. So I might be splitting up some duties between different people. Although I don't know if that is other characters yeah. that there it's in that umbrella. Um, it's going to be different, but only I've read it in this room, so I'm the only one who will care. Um, yeah. You'll roll only, on. You're the only one who will know. And again, not the most character-driven story there is. More idea-driven, which is cool. And I like it. Like, I don't know who that lady is either. Uh, let's see if they show Benedict Wong at any point. I think that was him right there. Um, the dude who plays... Uh, I think his name is literally Wong in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Like, the monk who trains as yeah, Doctor yeah. Strange is a part of this. He plays maybe the only... Oh, here, right there. Uh, Benedict Wong 
as Wong. He plays maybe yep. is that Benedict Wong? Like he plays like a, a character is. named Dashi, who I think is like the only character from the book who actually sort of stood out to me as like a fun character. That's the role you want. Mm. You want that guy's role. He's like kind of sassy and fun and gets quips and is a bit because a lot of them are like, you know, scientists, they're nerds. You know, they're all like cerebral and thinky and just kind of talk in complete sentences about things that are important. And then Dashi comes in and like mixes it up, mixes it up a bit. So uh, he is a fun role. Uh, and he's a cop, rolling. right? He's basically he's like, cop, the, yeah. like the Miller from The Expanse. He's the Miller of this show. He's sure. the cop trying to figure out the mystery, I think. Yeah, along with the main science man who whose identity I think has been split among multiple people, but we'll see what that happens uh, when the show airs. Keep a rolling. Benedict Wong has Dashi. Science things. We see some uh, people looking at, oh, ooh, I remember that one from the book, the universe flickering on and off. That was pretty cool. Another cool thing they said, uh, I do not know what this is. I read the first book. That's, That's news Cerebro. to me. It, it kind of does look like Cerebro, doesn't it? Um, ooh, um, hmm. Push. It's fine. There's a lot of things flashing <laughs> forward here that I could try and track down, but it would take forever. Um, put it on pause for a second. One thing, interesting thing they said, that's a good as image as any. Uh, you'll see like some images in there of people in communist red guard uniforms back from when uh, Mao Zedong was in charge of China. So there are some flashbacks in the book to the cultural revolution of China in the 70s. And this is an interesting wrinkle that you get when you're adapting a Chinese book. They said that the Chinese adaptation of this story, like they couldn't really depict the cultural revolution bits because that's verboten in China. Like they have a pretty strict surveillance over there. And like you're not allowed to talk about that part of history because that part of history, if you don't know, was pretty coconuts. And um, a lot of people died or suffered and it was unpleasant. But this story kind of like hinges on it. Like there's a really, the cultural revolution mm. is this really important kind of inciting incident to this larger tale of extraterrestrial first contact. And whereas the Chinese adaptation adapted it like word for word, it had to like leave all of that out. Whereas the American adaptation can include all of that. Cause we don't have that kind of censorship here, but it changes like other things. So there's, it's again, it's 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 a very interesting exercise and adaptation to compare these two things. Any thoughts, Daniel? Yeah. Should we roll on? I I think that that was something that stood out to me too, that I think is fascinating. And it will be really interesting to look at these two adaptations side by side. Um, and because you know, this idea that uh that really important event couldn't be depicted because of the way the censorship works in China and them not needing to worry about it here. Um mm -hmm. I don't know. I I think that's fascinating. I, I'm very it curious. Did. Yeah, roll it on. There were other trailers that had more oh, that's cool. Uh no, I don't know about everything. There is some really wild scientific set pieces that I'm noticing, I'll just say one thing. There's a bit. So this story is basically about humanity's first contact with an alien civilization that may not like us very much. Um, and the, Ooh, I love this bit. Uh, pause on like the flaming horses. Yeah. Yeah. That, that actually, that, 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 that's any of this is good. So there's, um, 
the three body problem is like a virtual reality game, basically, that simulates this alien huh. civilization. I'm probably um, spoiling too much. It's a virtual reality game, kind of. It might also be a simulation of an alien civilization's ancient past. So if you're wondering how we're huh. seeing like a scientific show that also has scenes in churches with horses on fire, um, a lot of that takes place in this virtual reality game, which, is, which has some great scenes, some really imaginative, cool set pieces from the books. Hmm. The books are cool because they are so nerdy and sciencey, but also he has a great visual imagination. And like there are scenes that would absolutely work in um, a visual medium like TV. Like there's, I, we, we don't have to go back, but there's one scene where the aliens like unfold a proton into like 18 dimensions and just like one proton becomes like, this giant city. And I saw it and I'm like, oh, that's what it is. That's definitely what it is. And we don't have to go back, but um, I saw that in the trailer. And I'm just, and when I'm reading that, I'm like, what are they going to do with this? Like it's going to take some, design acumen and some imagination to do it on screen and again these guys they swing big they do not go for first base they go for like home plate then home plate again so i'm curious how they pull it off keep it rolling double home run and john bradley there <laughs> i love the people being shorted by the moons the gravity of the army going up it's another scene from there Liam Cunningham's like, oh no, this is, looks this is really bad. Oh, ring in space, body always problem. foreboding. March twenty first. Yeah, it could be really, really cool. cool, or it could be a massive flop. It totally could be because uh, that's the problem with big swings. Uh, you don't know if they're going to ignite the atmosphere like Game of Thrones did, or if they're going to just. Be something folk aren't quite ready for or don't understand or can't get their heads around or just your abilities to capture it in a way that's as compelling in the screen as they are in the books aren't enough. Um, so we'll see yeah. in March, but I'm definitely curious. I like it when someone does something that challenges themselves because it challenges me as a viewer, too. And I'm all about that. Julie yeah. says, looks, it looks like it's going to be nerdily. It should be a word. I'll be watching. Yes, yeah, I'm going to do it, too. Nicole, too. Let's watch, guys. Let's see what this is like. The three-body problem. It's happening. Benny and Wise back yeah. in the game. What's it going to be? Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I, I, I'm i definitely excited for this one. I think it's going to be one of the releases we probably talk about the most this year, I have a feeling. Sure. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe aside from that, that dragon show, whenever that comes that back around in the show. summer. That dragon show. Uh, I have to be honest... One of the things that makes me most nervous for the three body problem is just that mm -hmm. it's Netflix. Like, am I by That's myself true. in that? Because no, I feel not. like Netflix, they've, they've just, it almost feels like sometimes there's a bar with Netflix where it's shows can't be too good. And then every once in a while, it has a show that just like shoots past it. Like, like um, the fall of the house of Usher is one where I was like, that could be on HBO and I wouldn't be surprised, but a lot of yeah. Netflix shows. Uh, so there's a little context for this, which we can, maybe it's time to get into what we're watching. I, I watched a different Netflix thing and I was what weirdly was disappointed. Go ahead. So I watched rebel moon. Oh, oh yeah. How was that? I did I not, watched, but I've heard, you know, weak things. It, it's, 
I'm, tr- you know, Dan, I've been having an existential crisis because of Rebel Moon. Really? So, so let me Zack let me Snyder, give you the context stop here. Torturing Daniel's knights. It's no, it's not Zack Snyder. It's not Zack Snyder actually. So, in the past week, I've watched Rebel Moon and I've watched Saltburn. Um, and basically, Rebel Moon is a Star Wars knockoff, and it. F- feels like a star wars knockoff except it's right. also like zach snyder's like cultural museum in space uh because <laughs> he just kind of takes different historical cultural milieus like gladiator arena uh viking longhouse uh nazis and he just kind of mashes them all together for no real reason uh okay. so it feels a little bit like walking through a bunch of different cultures it it, it is it's kind of a it's a silly movie is what i'll say it's like a a, (laughs) all right it's not a good movie but it i was entertained the whole time i was watching it um so the reason i have an existential crisis is because i also watched saltburn which if do you know what saltburn is about at all dan i know it's a movie and the people have been talking i don't know what it is though no okay okay i won't say too much about it aside from I did not like it very much. Uh, it, it has Rosamund Pike. She's always amazing. It's basically Barry Keoghan being real creepy. That's the movie. Um, I And it is something which, you know, in terms of film craft, is probably considered a better movie. But, like, I'm probably going to rewatch Rebel Moon, which was a cheesy, not mm-hmm. great movie, a lot more than I'm going to rewatch Saltburn, which left me with a real bad taste in my mouth. Uh so I don't know what is good art. Who even knows anymore? <laughs> Who cares? Who That's cares? why but, the capitalists have it right. It's not about whether art's good. It's about whether art makes money. That you can judge. That's something we can all get behind. Um, trying to divine whether it's good or not. Um, that's that's such a such a messy affair. Uh, yeah. by the way, Nicole Washable Moon just okay. Star Wars knockoff. And uh, totally. JP thinks it was soulless garbage. I, I assume that JP was referring to Rebel Moon there. Uh, Andrew yeah. asks, Daniel, will you watch the R-rated extended cut of Rebel Moon? So here's here's my problem with this. Yes, of course I am, because I watched the first <laughs> one, and basically it's a fine movie to like have beer and drink popcorn to. It's not a... It, it is... I agree with JP and, and Nicole. You know, it's okay. It is kind of soulless. Uh, they really rushed through. They got some good actors and then gave them like six lines, um, mm-hmm. which I was really surprised by. But so the second half of this movie feels like they cut a bunch of stuff out. So this is the thing where I'm kind of like, mm. I hate that they're trying to replicate the Snyder cut with the whole three hour extended thing, because ah, sure. it's like the the movie they released feels like an incomplete movie like they basically go from place to place for the middle act of this movie and in each place they have a conversation with someone and then they're like you're right we should join your cause and then they just move on to the next place um one person the writing is very very on the nose so like my example of this is one scene a, a badass person kills this this creature and then everyone's like good job and they're like revenge is sad and this could be you don't forget that revenge is poison and the very next scene they go to a different cultural milieu 
meet okay. some to recruit someone else and the main character is like oh you won't do it for justice but what about revenge and it's like they just said revenge was bad a scene ago didn't you hear them um so yeah i i'm just ranting now about rebel moon but it it was a, <laughs> a very fun bad movie is what i would call cool. it um, but yes i'll watch it sorry you Andrew. sort of enjoyed it <laughs> Uh, yes. What about Percy Jackson? I think we're both watching that. That's a pretty big new show on Disney Plus. Um, yes, I've been watching it, and I think it's nice. Uh, it's this adaptation of this young adult uh, post Harry Potter yeah. fantasy series, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, and it's fun. It's earnest. Uh, it's you know feels like a good young adult series. These kids are sons of greek and daughters of greek gods they're going off on an adventure they're bonding and they're growing they're learning about themselves their good hearts are winning out performances are fun they hired all these cool adult actors to kind of shepherd them along the way it's nice um obviously it hasn't moved me to tears or anything but it's nice how about you yeah i mean i agree pretty much with what you just said i i have i haven't seen I guess it's today's or yesterday's. I haven't seen the most recent episode, but I really enjoyed. Okay. Yesterday's I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed what I have seen of the show so far, which is the the first four. Um, I think it's completely on point. It's not my new favorite show, but that's because I'm not one attached to the books from, from youth because I'm just a little too old and I missed him. Yeah. And two, I'm not, I'm not a kid. And I think they're, they're ticking those boxes really well for people who really love Percy Jackson or who, who are, you know, they're making it accessible to younger audiences in a way that the movies were not, or, or didn't prioritize. I should say they still Mm kind of were, but like they tried to be hipper. Uh, I realized that the person they cast is, as Grover in those movies uh, was the comedian who played the guy that had the energy drink called booty sweat and Tropic Thunder. Um, so it's oh, like, if you need a good example, I do remember of... him <laughs> like versus this cute little kid they have playing him in the new show, which is how Rick Riordan envisioned this character. So it's like, that's a pretty clear easy... And this was after Tropic Thunder, that guy was cast in Percy Jackson. So it's a pretty clear example of even starting with the casting, just they had a, a much clearer vision of kind of how they wanted to do this as an all ages story. Um, and I think it's working great. I'm loving the music, the costume design, the characters. Um, that the like you said, nice. they're getting a like a veritable who's who of of really good actors to come and do guest spots. Um, so yeah, Percy Jackson is good. I'm enjoying it. Happy for the the stands that they're getting a yeah. good show um, of their beloved story. Our commenters too. Uh, Andrew Harris, uh, Andrew Haley is, is enjoying it. Uh, Robert Harris says cool. it reminds him of Sky High from Disney Channel. Uh, see, I never watched Sky High, but yes, I get it. I get it. It's it, it, it's a dis it's a well made Disney show. It's like family friendly. It's it, it's it's not going to rock the boat too much, but it's well made and it's good and it's fine and it's nice and it's 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 cool. I like it. I, I th- th- yeah. th- there are things that like as a full grown like thirty something I don't think can really touch me the way they could if they if i was like a teenager or something or a teenager but i can recognize quality and it's quality good for it and i believe that uh jp asked you what you thought of the lead actress in rebel moon 
Uh, any thoughts on that? Um, I think she did a great job with the materials she had. I enjoyed watching her. I think <laughs> there are some, she had some cool fight scenes uh, and I think she did the physicality and the fight scenes really well. I think the biggest problem for me, like if you're asking me to like critique things like performances in Rebel Moon, like mm -hmm. my biggest problem is the writing was really lazy in a lot of scenes. So it's hard for actors to do their most with it. Um, like sure. there is another one. Let me see if I can find his name that I was really, really shocked by. Uh, Jiman Hansu. Um, he's been in a bunch of bunch of movies. He was in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He has, <laughs> I want to say like 10 lines in this movie. And I'm like, you got an actor like, like this guy and gave him no material whatsoever. Um, that's the kind of thing where it's like the director's cut might make it better, but like you should have just waited and released the director's cut instead of trying to, you know, fake that director's cut energy. So yeah, long-winded way of saying I liked her a lot, um, but she's kind of handicapped by some of the material she's working with. Sure. What did you think? You're asking me? I didn't see it. Um, or for asking them, what did well, you I'm think? Well, I'm asking today? them in the chat. Yes, <laughs> yes. good point. I lost the um, name because I don't have chat open for my slow for, internet. Uh, Julie, I've wanted to watch Fargo for for ages. Hopefully, I will. She's watching Fargo right now. Good choice. We should oh, go on nice. to the lightning round, but 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 really quick because it, it just came out. Are you watching Echo? I am watching Echo. Yeah, I watched the Give first. Give us your lightning round Echoes. impressions. All right, my lightning round impressions are that Echo, I think, is off to a really promising start. I'm enjoying it a lot. I think it is really well made. And the silences necessary to having a deaf lead character make it a more gripping watch than a lot of things Marvel has done recently. Um, I'm really curious to see where they go from here. I wish it was more than five episodes because I'm already almost halfway through. Uh, it's real nice to see characters like uh, the Kingpin and Daredevil back with Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio. So yeah, Echo Echo is a cautious thumbs up for me right now. I am enjoying it. Yes. You haven't seen yeah, it, right? I heard it's decent. I haven't. It's it's weird that they would release Secret Invasion that turd like one episode at a time per week. <laughs> they drop all of these all at once. Um, I don't know. Strange choices over there. And yes, they did Nicole. Uh, all five strange are now available. Choices. I know, like, uh, yes. apparently it's decent, so why don't they have confidence in this one? I don't know. Um, let's go I, on to the actual... Uh, sorry, you have a theory, Daniel? Well, I was just going to say, uh, part of me wonders how much of it has to do with confidence in a production, and how much is just general confidence in Marvel or its release models or things like that. Um, because it, it is weird that their last two shows... So we had What If that dropped in December and they were just like, sure, one episode okay. a day during Christmas when all the journalists aren't even around. Like it felt like they were kind of like, here you go. We'll just kind of drop this and we don't really care if no one cares. Um, Echo, like, yeah, I, I'm a little surprised because five episodes is not that short for a Marvel thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like Secret Invasion was six. Most of their, they have a lot of Loki both seasons were six episodes. Um, so it's not like they don't do the the shorter seasons. But yeah, I, I'm not sure why they did this with Echo. 
um especially because so far it's it's been really enjoyable so i mean get it together disney yeah this whole thing where like what if it's one episode per day some are all at once some are once a week i don't know if it's working there there's consistency is a virtue <laughs> maybe yeah. we, we don't know how good we had it when everything was predictable leo points out it's gonna be mixed reviews and like yes it, not, not everyone likes it but after secret invasion yeah. man like that bar is low <laughs> it's at least it's, it it's fresh on rotten tomatoes it's not rotten so it's overall folks seem to like it and frankly after some of the hits marvel's been taking i was prepared for the worst so yeah. i'm um I'm frankly impressed with it's not bad. <laughs> Probably yeah. more than I should well, be. The nice thing about Echo is that it's very character focused so far, which is mm -hmm. a big departure from like Secret Invasion, where it's like it wasn't really about the characters. It was about this scroll revolution. And then they were like, and also maybe care about the characters a little bit. Like this is about how this character ended up being the person she is and the first yes. episode is really all about that like and they recycled a little bit of footage from like uh hawkeye i didn't even mind because it it rooted it roots you so much in her perspective um that it it feels like it, a thing that i'm way more interested in why it exists than than secret invasion so yeah yes low bar to clear unless it really stumbles in the back half which it could i haven't seen it and marvel has heard us before uh yeah that goes off to a good start i All think right. let's do the lightning because we are uh getting on Ooh, in the time and time. by the way andrew we see that they're reading air of the empire andrew to dark force rising very cool we'll talk more books next week but right now let's do the lightning round where we give our 20 second opinions on news of the day uh daniel who's going first um, I'm going to ask you this first one, I think. Uh, so Max, uh, RIP, Max has canceled its pirate dramedy, Our Flag Means Death, after two seasons. Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, I liked Our Flag Means Death. I thought it was this kind of mild, chill, relaxed vibe of a show that went down very easy, maybe a little too easy. It was almost like too low stakes to, for me to really just love it. But I liked that it was so queer friendly. That was like its main innovation, I think. It, I, I thought it was like totally. warmly, like most smiles than laughs, but it's too bad. I could buy reflecting stuff. Um, hey, Daniel, uh, Stranger Things season yes. five has production. Don't believe me? Here's a picture. <laughs> yeah, Stranger Things season five is officially, uh, seems like it started filming. Um, so that's exciting. There's a little bit of controversy around some of the cast members uh, yeah, and course. some statements they've made in regards to Palestine. So it's a bit of a murky time <laughs> for Stranger Things and people calling for boycotts and stuff. But it is filming. So we'll see how everything plays out. Good on it. Um, all right, Dan, uh, it's official. I think you called this one months ago. Lucasfilm is making a Mandalorian movie. Uh, this is a complicated topic because, yeah, they're making a Mandalorian movie. So far as I can tell, they're making a Mandalorian movie rather than making a new season of The Mandalorian. They haven't said that outright, but I think it's what's happening because I think they need to make it in time for Ahsoka season two because that has to be in time for another movie. Ooh, they dug themselves a space hole here uh, in their shared universe thing. So we'll see what they can do with it. Um, <laughs> yes, they did. 
it, it's it's it, it's it's pretty clear Daniel uh put this list together because the next one is back to the <laughs> Emmys. Uh, Prey, That's the right. Predator prequel movie, Prey took home an award for outstanding sound editing. Daniel, talk about Prey. That's right. Any excuse to talk about Prey, I will take it. That's that Predator prequel movie from Dan Trachtenberg. It is excellent. It stars a mostly all Native American cast, and it won for outstanding sound editing. Uh, So now it is the Emmy award-winning movie, Prey. And that's cool. And the sound editing is excellent. That, That is a category it really deserved it for. Nice. Love it. Um. All right, Dan, uh, I, I'm curious about this one. So Patrick Stewart, uh, who uh, played Jean-Luc Picard four years on Star Trek Next Generation, he says a movie script about Jean-Luc Picard exists. Uh, what's that about? That sounds fine. I mean, it's it's in this era of so many spinoffs, movies, TV shows, like it exists is so far removed from it's going to happen. I really wouldn't <laughs> put a ton yeah. of stock into it. But yeah, I'm not surprised at all that, that a script exists for a movie that could start Patrick Stewart as Captain John Picard at some point. Will it happen? I don't have a single buggering clue, but um, it definitely exists. Uh, Daniel, yeah. speaking mm-hmm. of um, spacefaring shows, take inspiration for Star Trek. Uh, Seth MacFarlane weighed in on The Orville, a show that we both like a lot, saying the show is not dead. Will season four happen? We'll see. Uh, It's been a lot of back and forth with the Orville. You know, season three premiered back in summer 2022. And so most recently, Adrian Palicki, who plays uh, Commander Kelly Grayson, said she's not doing it anymore. Um, And basically, Seth MacFarlane came up with this this statement. And he said uh, he, he carefully kept it very politically nicely worded, like Hulu's statement, and said, no one's told me it's dead. So we're assuming it's not dead. So till he gets that call, so are we. Um, okay. I Man, I have weird feelings about this one. So Warner Bros. promises more Harry Potter video games after the success of Hogwarts Legacy. Yeah, Hogwarts Legacy was this RPG that I believe was the best-selling game of 2023. I'm not sure the numbers are fully in, but it was like very high wow, up there. really? So yeah, of course they are. They're making a Quidditch game. They're going to make other Harry Potter video games. Yeah, naturally. Um, I guess I'm going to guess your complicated feelings involve Harry Potter creator and author J.K. Rowling being um, a proud transphobe and her being in the spotlight no matter what. But I mean, money, get a money. So we're going to get what we get. Uh, We'll see what happens. (laughs) Uh, And finally, another one that you can tell Daniel put on here. Daniel, The Expanse, the sci-fi series before the complete series Blu-ray is up for sale and you bought it. Apparently, I did. I did. I bought it. Uh, you put this on on our news to consider. The Expanse Complete Series Blu-ray is back in stock. It sold out very quickly last year uh, on Amazon, and it's on sale. I scoffed at this when I saw this was a potential news story, and then I went and bought the stupid disc. So, yeah, if you have been waiting to own The Expanse on physical media so that uh, thrifty streaming services can't take it away from you for a tax break, you can get it right now. Medium. All right. And that is our show. We went a little long. We're so happy to spend some time with you. 
Uh, we are two guys True. named Dan. We do this show every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time on the Winner is Coming Facebook page and the Winner is Coming YouTube page, also in podcast form. Wherever podcasts are available, be it Google Play, iTunes, elsewhere, if you're watching us, uh, hit subscribe, ring the bell, leave a like, leave a comment, share it with your loved ones. We appreciate it, and we appreciate <laughs> you. Join us next week for more stuff. Bye. Take care, all. This podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.